don't you dare hit play until you hit like. You guys know that we're on Spotify and on Apple and on YouTube. Don't forget to hit subscribe. I know it's annoying, guys, but just do it. I'm waiting and waiting. A good portion of people probably suffer from imposter syndrome, but the level and severity of how you let it affect you and your actions and your mental health is on a very wide spectrum. So I would definitely say to our listeners to take some time to kind of just listen to your thoughts when you do something good, whether it's you cleaned your house or you got a workout in or you got a promotion at work, however big or small, pay attention to your your inner dialogue. What are you saying to yourself? And just kind of keep track of that. And if you notice that it's starting to be more negative, um, start to, after that, keep track of what your actions are after that. Um, Because you definitely, I would say, want to address this if it is preventing you from going out and growing and shining. But to just like we were talking about earlier, I think to some extent, um, imposter syndrome for some people, including myself, is a fire underneath my butt that pushes me to do better, um, strives to get stronger and better in everything that I do. Welcome to the Wayward Lasses All the Things Podcast. Real content, for real women, every age and stage of life. Are you ready to get real with the Wayward Lasses? You've come to the right place. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Wayward Lasses All the Things podcast. I'm Brittany, joined only by my mother, Amy. Well, hello, daughter. Hello, mother. Courtney is still off doing her thing in in Poland, traveling the world. Hopefully, um, she'll so, come back relaxed. Hopefully, traveling is is um, especially to a different country with children. I would say is probably more stressful than relaxing. Probably, probably. But so. if you're staying with family, it should be somewhat, somewhat stress less stressless, stress free. Not stress-free, but stressless. Sure. <laughs> Less stressful. <laughs> stressless. Stress. Less stressful. Okay. <laughs> very good. Very good. All right. So today we are going to be talking about imposter syndrome. But before we do that, we are going to do some trivia like we always do. And in honor of our relative, my cousin and mom's niece, playing in the Women's World Cup for the Philippines. Woo-hoo! Number 16, Sophia Harrison, best defender ever. (laughs) Um, We're going to do some women's FIFA trivia, and we're going to see how that goes. So I will go first. Mom, you're definitely going to get this one right, because I got it right. Where is the opening match in this year's tournament being played? It's it's a multiple choice. Is it? You're talking country. I was talking country. Oh, Adelaide, Auckland, Sydney, Wellington. Oh, wow. I'm going to say Wellington. Are you serious? You were there. Okay, Auckland? Auckland. Yeah. <laughs> you because were there. it was all Wellington. Wellington is south of Auckland. Oh, my goodness. Actually, the first one was, with, was in Dunedin. Oh. It says, co-host New Zealand will play Norway in the opening match on the July 20th at Eden Park. The final will be awesome. held at Stadium Australia in Sydney on the 20th of August. Okay. Okay. Your turn. Oh, it's my turn. So my, yeah. mine are basic because I didn't want 
Brittany to get any wrong. So how many players are on the field for each team in an adult league if playing a full squad game? Multiple choice. 9, 11, 15, 10. Well, my answer was six. So. <laughs> Nine? No, it's 11. 11? Hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Where are you getting 11? I need it. Okay. I Goalie. clearly don't know. I got that. You have four strikers right three midfielders two, two defenders i don't know clearly i don't know that was like Thanks. okay anyways we'll skip it okay well, no we didn't i missed <laughs> it's 11 <laughs> okay um usa have won the most women women's world cups how many in a row no how many did they win Two, oh, three, shit. four, five. Three. The answer is four. Oh. They won in 91, 99, 2015, and 2019. <clears throat> okay. Excluding the goalkeeper, what part of the body cannot touch the ball? The arm, the chest, Dance. the top of the foot, or the head. I'm sorry, the hands are not it. <laughs> the arm. The arm. <laughs> Final answer? The arm. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, you can tell we're great soccer fans. Which player has scored the most goals at Women's World Cups? Marta? Birgit Prinz, Alex Morgan, Abby Wambach. All right, I'm going to go with Alex Morgan. It's actually Marta. They couldn't bother to put her last name. She actually just retired. Marta. Mm -hmm. She's a Brazilian striker. She has scored 17 goals in five tournaments between 2003 and 2019. Shoot. Um, in this tournament, she will become the only player, male or female, to score in six World Cup tournaments. Oh, nice. Good for Marta. Mm-hmm. And she just retired. She just retired, too. All right. What statement describes a proper throw-in? You must throw underhand using both hands. Feet don't matter. You can throw with one hand. Both feet must be on the ground. Both hands must be on the ball behind the head. Both feet must be on the ground. Or both hands must be on the ball. You can jump or stand while throwing. It's either C or D. I'm going to go with C. C. Let us see. The answer is both hands must be on the ball behind the head. Both feet must be on the ground. C. Nice. Makes sense. Giving you yeah. easy ones. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what is the most common score in women's World Cup finals? Zero zero. Zero zero one zero two zero two one. Zero zero. The answer is two zero. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't get. I, if you're at zero zero, don't you keep going with uh, kicks? 
Uh, I think that's only when you're like playing in a um, a, a tournament. Oh, this is. I think they should keep going. Yeah, they should keep because, going because, like, when they zero, did group zero. play, when they did group play, you could end in a tie. Mm. Uh, versus like um, elimination, you have to keep going. It's like thirty minutes, and then fifteen minutes overtime, and then penalty kicks. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> the goalie can always use his or her hands. True or false? True. False. Actually, the goalie can only use the hands if inside the penalty box. If he or she is outside the box, the regular no hand rule applies. Mm, interesting. Okay, which two European countries are making their debut at the tournament this year? Oh, Portugal and the Republic of Ireland, Scotland and Belgium, Switzerland and Romania, Northern Ireland and Croatia. Uh, Ireland and Portugal. I don't understand, I think, the difference between the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. Oh, it's the Republic of Ireland. Yes, yeah. it's the Republic of Ireland. That was correct. There are actually eight debutantes in total. Haiti, Morocco, Panama, the Philippines, Portugal, Republic of Ireland, Vietnam, and Zambia. Zambia. Okay, Zambia. Uh, I was just watching the um, replay of the England versus... Nigeria game. I don't mm -hmm. know. They just ended their first overtime. Mm. And I had to come record this. Mm. If the defending team kicks the ball out on their own goal line, what kind of kick brings the ball back in? Let me give you the multiple choices. Where did you go? A penalty kick, a goal kick, a free kick or a goal, a corner kick, sorry. A corner kick. Oh, Brittany, you are correct. Oh, mother. <laughs> <laughs> did I go first or did you go first? You did. Okay. You want to do one more each? more. Yeah. One more. This is the ninth FIFA Women's World Cup. How many countries have been champions in the previous eight? Hmm? How many countries have been champions? Yeah. This is the ninth? Yeah. Oh, two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? Well, eight. <laughs> <laughs> right? No. Like, if it's the ninth, how many countries have been <laughs> champions? That means there's only eight winners. Were they different winners each time? Oh, that's what you're asking me. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Two, I've already four, asked. Six, you eight. already answered one of those questions earlier. Okay, wait. Six. The answer is four. What? The earlier question I asked you was how many times did the USA won, and they said, won four times. Oh shoot, four! I was thinking two. Germany's won. <laughs> you answered the question. Germany's won twice, and then Japan and six. Norway have uh, both won. 
shoot. Okay. Suck again. Suck again. Okay. When a goalie takes a free kick, which of these choices is the worst place to kick it? Down the sidelines, across the goal to one of his, his or her own defenders, down the field via a long kick, or over the heads of the first line of players? D? Let's see. Let's see if you're a good guesser. The answer is across the goal to one of his or her own defenders, which is B. Okay. Excellent. All right then. <laughs> All righty then. Great, great, great. Well, as you can see, we are not very well versed on <laughs> World Cup, FIFA, women's trivia. But all another in four years. Sophie. All, in, all in support of Sophie. All right. Yes. Let's go ahead and start our episode. Uh, like I said, we are talking about imposter syndrome, which I suffer from. I don't know about you, Mom, but I know a lot of people do. I have. And one of the things um, you have. I have. Um, yeah, excellent. Well, not excellent. But I don't know why I said excellent. excellent. <laughs> I promise. So glad. <laughs> so glad you also experience it. Um, that's one of the things I was reading about is people don't talk about it because they're afraid to say anything. Yeah. Um, but the actual definition of imposter syndrome is the condition of feeling anxious and not experience success internally despite being high performing in external objective ways. This condition often results in people feeling like a fraud or a phony and doubting their abilities. I think that's the common definition that you hear um, when people talk about imposter syndrome. Syndrome is feeling like an, um, a fraud or a phony. Mm-hmm. Or have you ever heard the um, the phrase "fake it till you make it"? Yeah, I yeah. That a lot. I mean, <laughs> I mean, doing that initially is is a form of imposter syndrome because mm-hmm. you talk about feeling inadequate and having self doubt. Um, that's certainly fake it till you make it. Yeah. Uh, I've said that so many times. Not, not just to myself, but like to other people, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Do you, you know, I go back and forth with, I, I guess, uh, when you talk about imposter syndrome and actually going through it, I think it can be healthy in terms of like a fake it till you make it type of attitude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to help you get over the hump, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But I think when it's something that is um, inherent, that's something that you constantly... And debilitating. Yeah. I think that's when it becomes something that's um, a negative impact to you. Yeah. So... This article here is saying, um, with imposter syndrome, a person doesn't feel confident or competent regardless of what they achieve, and they don't experience the joy of success because they're always waiting for their inadequacy and fraudulence to come to light. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, totally interesting. I've I've probably felt that way in my whole life, and I think it's to kind of go with what you were saying. I think it could hit people differently. It could be debilitating for some people and prevent them from going, you know, further with something or trying to achieve something. Um are going to the next level because of that debilitating, debilitatingness, debilitiveness. 
debilitability <laughs> debilitability <laughs> of that. Um, but I think for me, it pushes me in a in a whole different direction. It's more of like, um, okay, I feel this way, so I need to work harder, so that you know people don't find gotcha. that I'm a fraud or a phony. Yeah. Um, but I think I think for me, just to explain it maybe in my terms, if I can, I think people who have a strong work ethic um, and they're always trying to better themselves and, and work extremely hard, I think do feel this because there's always a way to improve. There's always something that you can learn. There's always a way to get better. And I think with this, if I'm not constantly doing something every day to make myself better in X, Y, or Z, then I'm now a fraud. So it's kind of like a constant battle of, okay, I have to keep pushing, keep learning, keep doing better because the second that I don't, somebody else is going to do it better. And then now I'm an imposter. That's kind of how I feel. I think, I think we could sometimes, I want to say confused, confuse the two, like having imposter syndrome versus, because I think when we, not I think, when we talk about imposter syndrome, we... People tend to experience things like nervousness and it manifests its way in like negative Mm self-talk. And some of the symptoms that people will experience when it comes to imposter syndrome are things like anxiety or depression. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Like, do you you feel, I I think it's normal to feel anxious. And I'll give you a for example. Oftentimes when people step into a new role, and I'm going to use work as an example, but when you step into a new role at work and it is above what you've been doing, a promotion, right? You are were an individual contributor and now you are a people manager and you've never managed people before, right? Mm-hmm. So the whole imposter syndrome could start to, um, I guess, manifest itself because I've never been here before and holy crap, if people realize that I don't know how to manage people, then, well, why the heck did she get that promotion? She wasn't well-deserving type of thing, right? So mm-hmm. you fake it till you make it type of thing, mm-hmm. right? Maybe you will, um, you know, have a mentor who will help you with that transition versus you're in this new position now and, well, I don't know why I got this in the first place. I'm not, I'm not going to succeed with this type of thing. Yeah. And then it just causes so much, yeah, fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, we have to be careful when we, because maybe maybe it'll become clear when we start talking about the different types of um, personalities as it relates to the five types of imposter syndromes. Mm -hmm. But I think like what you were experiencing – Probably to a degree, imposter syndrome, but maybe to a degree, it was a healthy yeah. reaction. I don't think it's ever really debilitated me, but uh, for as long as I can remember, even when I was a teacher, I was just like, one day I'm going to come out as a fraud. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's, always, there's always so much more to learn and so much to do and so much to balance. And even with my new job, I am now a recruiter for a company I've never recruited before. Um, You know, I definitely had that feeling of like, oh my God, like people are going to say, why did she get this job? Like she does no experience. Who 
does she know? Who does she think she is? But then what that pushes me to do is because I'm afraid of the, you know, of people, you know, finding out that I'm a fraud is I go so above and beyond and overdo it at the beginning. And it's just like, whoa, okay, she really can do this. But now I have to keep beating that every (laughs) month after. I'm just like, oh, oh, oh. (laughs) And that's kind of one of the things this article was talking about is um, many high achievers reach a point in their career where they feel like they're unable to keep up. Um, So I think there's so many different facets of this. I think for me, it's healthy right now. Um, but I think, you know, people who've been in it for a while, they, you, when you're constantly, and you can't just work, when you're constantly just giving and giving and learning and trying to get better and better, I feel like it can definitely be mentally taxing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I know I've had imposter syndrome when stepping into new new roles. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. I, I, I've even gone to the point where I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know what I'm doing here. Why am I here? Where Why, am I? I How did I, get here? Oh. did I get here? But see that now, again, I think that's different than, you know, um, because I think overachievers or people who want to excel in their job aren't going to be satisfied with just staying at a certain level. You always yeah. want to achieve more, excel, get to the next level of your career. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, when you actually achieve that, you are stepping out of your comfort zone. So there are new things that you don't know, new processes Mm -hmm. that you have to learn, new people that you have to learn their faces and whatnot, Mm -hmm. the the talk, the lingo that you need to to learn. But that's all natural, right? So maybe not. Maybe I haven't experienced imposter syndrome. (laughs) Maybe it's just a natural transition when you move to the next level. So that being said, Let's just talk about five types of imposter syndrome and see if any of these relate to any of our listeners or to you or me. So the first one is the perfectionist. And this type of imposter syndrome involves believing that unless... I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Unless you were absolutely (laughs) perfect, you could have done better. You feel like an imposter because your perfectionist traits make you believe that you're not as good as others might think you are. So you think that's you? Yeah. 100%. Um, not 100%, but a, like, I don't know, maybe 80%. Um, in this article I'm reading, the underlying emotion is fear of losing control. I like to know what's going on. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I, I I do too. Otherwise, it's like there's no control there. <laughs> How can I keep things in control if I don't know what's going on? Yep. Um, okay. Then there's the expert. The expert feels like an imposter because they don't know everything there is to know about a particular subject or topic, or they haven't mastered every step in a process. And because there is more for them to learn, they don't feel as if they've reached the rank of expert Mm. um not really for me um i almost related it to me getting my master's and kind of like constantly wanting to learn but i know that i'm not an expert on anything i like to be aware and be able to answer questions but i don't think this one is one of my yeah i don't think that's not me either what um as far as feelings go what does your article say about feelings that experts exhibit um, the underlying emotion is the fear of inadequacy. Oh, inadequacy. Okay. Now that, yeah, that's not me. Inadequate. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. 
the natural genius in this imposter syndrome type, you may feel like a fraud simply because you don't believe that you are naturally intelligent or competent. If you don't get something right the first time around or it takes you longer to master a skill, you feel like an imposter. That is not me. I am not a natural genius. <laughs> I have spent, you remember when I was in high school, I would stay up <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning rewriting my notes because they were ugly and there was like a mistake on it. Like I am, I'm back to that perfectionist. Like I'm, I definitely don't grasp onto things easy. Like maybe when it comes to dance and like that kind of physical stuff, um, but learning things, it, I have to, I have to write things down. I have to sometimes act them out and like have a song for it. You know, I, work, I work, work very hard for the knowledge that I, that I have the little knowledge that is up here. <laughs> How about you? Um, maybe, I don't know if it's natural genius, but I remember early on in my career, we'd have something that's called, um, cross-functional meeting with all the different representatives from each of the organizations like development and quality control and um, it's not called printing, um, support and product documentation, things like that. And I remember like they'd go around the table and everybody would say, you know, some type of update or a concern that they have and they come to me and I'm like, nope, got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but I had things in my head and I didn't want to say anything because you didn't want to come off as well I wasn't a hundred percent like yeah. even if it was a question I just I was afraid to ask the question because I wasn't a hundred percent I feel like if I'm going to open my mouth like I need to like know how did I get from A to B to C because if somebody answered my question and then asked me a question back and I I got nothing. Well, you then know? you're then you definitely are the expert. You have to have all of the credentials. <laughs> like you have to know. You won't even speak up unless you know. Yeah. Oh, maybe, yeah. Okay. The um, underlying the, <laughs> the underlying emotion for natural genius is the shame of failing. Oh, the shame of failing. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. The soloist. The soloist, it's also possible to feel like an imposter if you have to ask for help to reach a certain level or status. Since you couldn't get there on your own, you question your competence or abilities. Say that last part again. You what? You question what? You question your competence or abilities. Um, I don't know if I'm necessarily a soloist. I would say that I certainly feel... And if I don't do the task, it's not going to get done right. So it's always been very difficult for me. Like even in group projects, I did all the work and then people just tagged along, you know, <laughs> I'm always going to do that. So I do Roger find, coattails. <laughs> yeah, I do find that I like to be involved, which I guess this goes back to the perfectionist. If I need to have my hands in all the pots and know that the work is getting done properly, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think this is much. I still think I'm the perfectionist. It's saying the underlying emotion here is the shame and asking for help. I don't mind asking for help at all. Um, I think I actually experienced that this past weekend. <laughs> Coming back from being on PTO and finding that like things changed in the process because it's a new quarter for our company. Mm -hmm. Um and one of the things is that like there are two new people that are being um, I'm going to work with in order to help get this task done. 
So that was the first thing. It's like, okay, why can't I do this on my own? <laughs> um, and then it was, all right, the person who I'm working with is just giving too much feedback. I don't need your feedback. <laughs> but what I, as I thought about it over the weekend, what it really is, is I'm actually the project manager for the project. Mm -hmm. I can't do it all by myself. So yeah. I have to lean on the expertise of other people in my group. It doesn't, it doesn't minimize the knowledge that I have. It doesn't minimize my role in the project. It, it is a, and I truly believe this, it's a group effort. But yeah. for some reason, when it initially like hit me, I'm like, what? I don't need any help. <laughs> like, I can't do this by myself. Yeah. Something um, else. Not, article. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say not necessarily a an imposter syndrome type of thing, but it was a feeling that just came over me initially, but then I was able to yeah. put it into perspective. Yeah. So go ahead. Uh, something else this article was saying is asking for help can leave peop uh, people feeling vulnerable and expose what they don't know or can't do. Yeah. I don't think I, I, I identify with this because like, for example, in my position right now, I am a recruiter for 42 stores, which is overwhelmingly a lot. A lot. Um, mm -hmm. And then I said, I need help. I need help. I yeah. do. And um, one of the people that we're hiring, I told her, like, I don't really know what it's going to look like when you hop in. I'm going to teach you as much as I can, but I'm building this. Um, and we're just going to work together and we'll feed off of each other's feedback and kind of go from there. But uh, I think I think it's always important to ask for help. And I would definitely venture out to say if you identify as a soloist, you might have some def like some things going on internally that you're afraid to ask for help for. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. No. <laughs> no, no. Okay. And the last one is the super person. This type of imposter syndrome <clears throat> involves believing that you must be the hardest worker or reach the highest levels of achievement possible. And if you don't, you're a fraud. That's me. That's you. That's me. <laughs> For sure. Okay. I don't know. if Maybe I'm 50-50 perfectionist and superwoman. Saying the underlying emotion here is free of free time and taking time away from work for personal fulfillment. Mm, I don't have fear of free time. Yeah. I don't have fear of taking time away from work. But I do like, like, for example, if someone emails me, I'm immediately emailing you back. Or if you give me a task to do, I'm going to, like, blow it out of the water and just, like, I can do anything. Yeah. You just let me know. You just got to trust me. You just got to give me the opportunity. <laughs> I can do anything. I'm also a perfectionist, so it's going to be good, you know? <laughs> Yeah. How about you? I'm, I'm same. I'm like that too. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's why I volunteer for doing a lot of the like projects. I can do that. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> yeah. I can learn that. Yeah. And that, yeah. So I, I can definitely relate to that, but in a healthy way. Yeah. I can definitely see an issue there of, which I have done. I did that when I was a teacher. I was like, oh, I'll join this club or I'll lead this club. I'll lead this club too. I'll, I'll be in all of the clubs. <laughs> I, I, do I can do it all because I had gotten a review one time that my school participation wasn't high enough. I was like, bet. So I joined every club I could. And then I was in charge of all these clubs and I was just like, oh, shoot. what am I doing? This is too much. <laughs> so I can definitely see that, uh, you know, taking that route, you got to be careful of, of putting too much on your plate. Yeah. Agree. A hundred percent. So guys, if you've ever wondered whether you might have imposter syndrome, ask yourself these following questions. Do you agonize over even the smallest mistake or flaws in your work? Am I answering this? No, I think just, I'm just giving you oh. a second to like, 
Do you attribute your sex success to luck or outside factors? I think I answered no to both those. Same. <laughs> no. Are you sensitive to even constructive criticism? No. No. Do you feel like you will inevi inevitably be found out as a phony? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, I have to say no. No to that. And do you downplay your own expertise, even in areas where you are genuinely more skilled than others? I don't downplay my expertise, but I downplay my achievements. Oh, I think that's just being humble. No. I think Me? you're a humble I'm person. humble? You think I'm humble? <laughs> Not to your family, but to your friends <laughs> in the workforce. <laughs> So um, here's some other things, some characteristics of imposter syndrome. Oh, let me hop in here real quick. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, what causes imposter syndrome? So mm. imposter syndrome is a cognitive distortion. It's not um, officially a disorder, um, but it's research shows that the um, that imposter syndrome comes from a combination of factors. And as soon as I read this, I was like, oh, that's where that one comes from. <laughs> The first one is family environment. Growing up, parents or other families, family members might have put outsized emphasis on achievement or been overly critical. And when I told mom that earlier, the first thing, first thing she said was like, why isn't 100? And that is the example here. This girl received a 98 on her test, and she was so excited to tell her parents, but they responded with, what happened? Why didn't you get 100? Mama. I would say that, I would say that's a bad thing. That's definitely like from you or dad or nanny and papa, like from anybody. It was like, oh, why wasn't it a hundred? So it's always been like, okay, well, gotta get a hundred now. <laughs> okay, the bar's been set. Definitely is. Uh, I would definitely say that's. Um, it's just like we were talking about on the phone the other day. Our family has like very high achievement um, because we. It's just like who we. Ha our personality and kind of who we are. Yeah. We never settle for less. We don't like being lazy. We're going to continue to push ourselves to get that 100. And that's kind of like how everyone in our family is. I agree. Yeah. 100%. Um, social pressures. Being part of a social circle or a group where approval or worth seems to be explicitly connected to achievement. So essentially being around groups of people and you, you don't think that your achievements are as good as other people's. Um, sense of belonging is another one. Part of imposter syndrome is the fear of being found out and cast out. So also in your group of friends, um, <clears throat> essentially that um, making someone feel, or you might feel different or excluded from the group because of X, Y, and Z. Um, and that can definitely trigger imposter syndrome. I think that too, um, I, can, I, can I interject yeah. Yeah. For, that, for the social circles one? I think people who have low self-esteem and look for validation outside of themselves mm -hmm. can often find themselves in an imposter syndrome situation because mm -hmm. of the fact that they're always looking to be recognized by somebody in their social circle. Um, that's the other one that you said. A sense of belonging. The example for this one, just to kind of sum it up, um, Tyler uh, feels excluded and wonders if it's because of the way he looks. He grew up wearing hand-me-downs, and the team can probably mm. tell he's not one of them. Mm -hmm. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's a tough one. Yeah. 
And that sense of belonging can be anything, your language, language differences, ethnicity, gender, gender, socioeconomic status, religion, physical learning differences. So anything that sets you apart from someone else that could cause having imposter syndrome because you feel that you don't belong. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the next one would be personality. Um, some personality types are linked to internalizing feelings of pressure, doubt, and failure. Times of stress or transition, even unrelated to work, can make it worse. So an example here, uh, we've got Campbell has a highly introverted personality. She tend to, tends to process things internally rather than communicating them. When she internalizes these negative emotions, she ruminates. This habit of negative self-talk causes her to belittle her achievements. So that feeling of anxiety and inadequacy can lead people to avoid challenges or opportunities that would, in other words, allow them to grow and shine. And that's what we were talking about earlier. And it can eventually yeah. lead to frustration, shame, depression, and uh, self-confidence. You still there? I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> but left unchecked. Imposter syndrome has a negative impact on people's relationships, work, as well as job and life satisfaction. And these effects can be worse for women and underrepresented groups. Yeah, I feel like if you are in a relationship with somebody who has imposter syndrome, like you never really get to know the person yeah. because they potentially could be putting on a facade, right? Mm -hmm. so that you don't see what's behind the curtain or under the covers type of thing. Mm -hmm. That's a challenge. That, that's got to be hard. I feel like it would be hard to deconstruct this yeah. if, if you have the type of imposter syndrome where it's debilitating you and preventing you from going out for opportunities or making connections with people. Like that would be very hard to deconstruct because you would have to find the cause of it all and reteach yourself how to think about yourself. Yeah. I guess that, well... I don't know if you have where the root cause of it is. I don't know if my next uh, article shows that either. <laughs> that was what I just went through are, are typical causes of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, either your family environment, you feel uh, pressured by the, your social group that you're in. You feel that you don't belong because of differences from you to other people. And then you have that type of personality that you would take this and make it, you know, self-debilitating anxiety that would prevent you from trying new things. Ah, and then I've got here too. So I was talking about, you know, you have to be careful about um, discerning between imposter syndrome and maybe just like transitioning from a new job or being in a new position type of thing. But there's something here in this article that I'm reading from Very Well Mind, and it talks about imposter syndrome versus discrimination. So feeling like an outsider isn't necessarily a result of imposter syndrome. It says in some cases it can occur due to actual discrimination or exclusion mm -hmm. due to systemic bias. So with mm -hmm. imposter syndrome, the feeling of being an outsider is caused by internal beliefs, where when we talk about discrimination, it's actually being called uh, caused by others, the actions external. of others. Yeah. So that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to figure out the two, one is internally based uh, and the other is from the outside, caused by actions of others. Mm -hmm. Did you say that you have characteristics of imposter syndrome? Yes. Uh, well, I have, um, what does it feel like? Uh, what does imposter syndrome feel like? So an inability to realistically assess your competence and skills. 
Mm -hmm. um, attributing your success to external factors. I don't know how that is. Like, oh, like, well, I only got this because of that person. Okay. You know? All right. This only happened because this person did that. That's, you know, I, I would say that's, you're kind of doing uh, like the characteristics as well, what it feels like. Somebody who can't celebrate an achievement because they're it's saying it's, it wasn't me. It was this person. Yeah, it was this. Okay. I gotcha. Mm -hmm. um, Berating your performance, fear that you won't live up to expectations, overachieving, um, sabotaging your own success, self-doubt, and setting very challenging goals and feeling disappointed when you fall short. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <clears throat> I would say just like just from reading this article and just talking with you about it and knowing people who have dis displayed these types of characteristics before, I would say a good portion of people probably suffer from imposter syndrome. But the level and severity of how you let it affect you and your actions and your mental health is on a very wide spectrum. So mm -hmm. I would definitely say to our listeners to take some time to kind of just listen to your thoughts when you do something good, whether it's you cleaned your house or you got a workout in or you got a promotion at work, however big or small, pay attention to your, your inner dialogue. What are you saying to yourself? And just kind of keep track of that. And if you notice that it's starting to be more negative, um, start to, after that, keep track of what your actions are after that. Because um, you definitely, I would say, want to address this if it is preventing you from going out and growing and shining. But to just like we were talking about earlier, I think to some extent, um, imposter syndrome for some people, including myself, is a fire underneath my butt that pushes me to do mm -hmm. better Um strives to get stronger and better in everything that I do. Hello, everybody. So for this next little bit of the podcast, we go over seven strategies to overcome imposter syndrome. But due to lovely technical difficulties, we lost strategy one and two. So I'll go over them with you real quick. The first strategy is learn the facts. Don't overreact because you might not be seeing things clearly or correctly. And strategy number two, share your feelings. It's okay to talk about them. Don't bottle it up. All right, here's the rest of them. So the third one is celebrate your successes. And I, I love this one. I'm going to talk about Mel Robbins for a second. She is a motivational speaker that I listen to when I work out in the morning. Got that weird little pop-up again. <laughs> um, she says that one of the things we're good at as humans is cheering other people on. I'll cheer you on. I'll show it for you. You know, if you're... In a competition, I'll be there to cheer for you. But one of the things that we don't do is we don't cheer ourselves on. Mm -hmm. We make excuses for not showing up, you know. Oh, it's okay. But if it were you that I had to show up for, Brittany, I'd be there. Mm -hmm. But if I had to solely depend on myself, I'll make excuses for not being there. So yeah. celebrate your successes, right? Um, we have to become better as that, at that as individuals. It reminds me of Christina Kuzmich's thingy of – of uh, the to-da list. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of, like, just to write down everything that you did that day that you succeed. Like, I put deodorant on. I brushed my teeth. Yeah, like, I brushed my teeth. Celebrate the small successes. <laughs> I feel like, you know, every day we are constantly, like, it's like work, 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 work. And then you scroll on your phone, maybe, or do whatever, then you go to bed. And we don't celebrate ourselves enough. And we do need that motivation. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, the fourth one, let go of perfectionism. <laughs> Sometimes very hard because uh, we feel like, I mean, I know when I, when I do it, because I find myself going in and out of that is, I only know how to do this right. I only know how to make this presentation look good. I only know how to get the numbers correct on here or make it line up or whatever. But um, if we're going to keep taking on those tasks, because we feel that we are the only ones who can make something perfect, then we're going to continuously be overwhelmed and, and have too many tasks in front of us because we can't let them go. Yeah. And I would say I've learned over the years to just be comfortable with the phrase of mistakes happen. Um, yeah. As long as you learn from them and grow from them and never make that mistake again. Yep. You can make them one more time, but then you might better learn from that. All right. <laughs> Number five, cultivate self-compassion. Yeah, I think that goes hand in hand with celebrating your successes. Um, we are forgive, forgive yourself. Yeah, learn to forgive yourself. Learn to forgive it's yourself. Okay. We're human. Yeah, I mean, we do it for other people. We say that's okay. Move on. It's you know, but we have a hard time when it comes to having self compassion for ourselves. So, number six, share your failures. Hmm, that one's a little tough. That's hard to do. Yeah. You don't but necessarily I, like sharing that. It's okay to talk about it, though. Maybe not to the whole world, but maybe it's like <laughs> your partner or your best friend. Like, I screwed this up. Um, but I think, though, by admitting your failures, it allows you to open up a conversation or an inner dialogue of how, why, why was it wrong? How did I get there? And how do I not do that again? Repeat that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And it, and it holds you accountable, I think. Mm -hmm. Right? Well, that didn't work. Let's figure out how to never do it that way again. <laughs> well, darn. <laughs> um, and the last one is accept it. Accept it. Yeah, it's kind of like the self-compassion of, of forgiving yourself. Yeah. It's accept not the it end of the world. On. Yep. It's not the end of the world. Let's learn from it. Move forward. Let's, let's keep going, honey. Let's go. Keep going. Don't dwell right. on it. Burn the ship. Right? Burn, burn the ship. Burn the ship. Burn it. Burn it down. Yeah, so that is it. Do you have anything else to add? No, I'm glad we, glad we got a chance to talk about this. I learned my um, my imposter syndrome type. Um, but kind of like I, I, I feel like I summarized it earlier. Just pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to your inner dialogue when good things and bad things happen. Pay attention to the actions that you take because of those. What actions... Are you not taking because of it? What actions are you taking? Um, and really just take the time to, to intern, not internalize, to reflect on all that you're doing. Because um, imposter syndrome can be debilitating. <laughs> it can be debilitating <laughs> or um, you could use it as a tool for growth. So definitely pay attention to that. But you are not alone. I, you, we all suffer from imposter syndrome. And, and just one more thing to throw in there is, um, you know, Brittany says you are not alone. Take that to heart because we're talking about this and we're sharing with each of you at a very high level some of the, some of the um, experiences that we've gone through and share our, our imposter syndrome syndromes, you know. Um, it, it's, you're not the only one, right? So, I want to say take comfort in that, but know that because you're not the only one, there are people that you can talk to. And you'll probably find it very surprising that when you start to share 
uh, your failures and start to talk about your feelings on the topic, you're probably going to come across some people who, uh, close friends, who are going to say, wow, I have had the exact same thing or I'm experiencing the same thing. And you'll probably find it very, um, not cathartic. What's the word I'm looking for, Brittany? Uplifting. <laughs> sure. I don't know what word you looking Soothing. for. <laughs> Anyways. I don't know what word looking for. All right. Anything else? No, that's it. Okay, well, great topic today, Mother. To all of our listeners, thank you for your continued support. As always, make sure you follow us up all the things. And until next time, we are the Wayward Lasses, reminding you to keep it real. Bye. Bye, guys.